Okay, you hear the front door going as um, I'm setting off on my morning run. And over here in Somerset, in Yeovil, in the UK, um, it's a bright, sunny morning, but it is again quite chilly. We're down at just literally over, freezing its one degree, and here's Gina just come around the corner. Morning, Gina. Um, yeah, just just one degree above freezing, so quite chilly. Um, that said, it hasn't been a very tough winter here yet. Um, other parts of the country have suffered a bit more, but we don't often get snow down here in the southwest. We've seen hardly any this year. Um, <laughs> I know many of you, particularly over in the, uh, the US, you've had some tough old times. And uh, pictures that Steve Runner posted from his home with about oh, four feet, something like one and a third meters of snow. Is that mixing my maths a bit? I suppose it should be 1.33 meters, really. To be accurate, or not so much accurate as more correct, I suppose. Anyway, oh, traffic seems a bit busy this morning for some reason. Are you alright? My boot's rattling. Okay. I don't think I've closed it. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, just, just, just lock it. There we go. All right, no problem. Ah, so yeah, I said it was quite busy there. The uh, bit of a hold up with the traffic. And, uh, <laughs> a lady of certain years had simply stopped her car right in the middle of the road. Um, so I thought I'd just check what was wrong. <laughs> her boot, or as some of you would say, her trunk, uh, hadn't shut properly, and so it was rattling. So uh, <laughs> that's why she decided to hold up all the rest of the traffic. Anyway, we got that shut. She's on her way again. Ah, oh, me. <laughs> anyway, um. So yeah, out for a Saturday morning run, just a short three miles today. In fact, my mileage has been down a little bit. Um, I don't know, I don't remember if I mentioned it when I was out with Carlos, but um, just a little bit of a tweak in my right knee, which uh, was 
you know, not, well, I was going to say not stopping me running. It's one of those little tweaks that suddenly the knee seems to give out and that does stop you. But then just ease it a bit and I can get running again. Um, so I've kept my mileage low over the last week or so. Um, three to three and a half miles in a day. I did take four days off to give the chance for my knee to recover but uh, still ah, it was just just a little vulnerable I think but uh, not not that I can't run <coughs> um, and on that thought I was wondering you know, I know in my head and my heart that um, I really ought to do some non-concussive training I know from my time of doing triathlon the enormous benefit of swimming and cycling and just having a good mix of activities um, I know it we're doing it <laughs> That's another thing. And I think one of the problems with with swimming of course is simply getting the swim in. Now it really is a case of you gotta wanna. But uh, even though I have a pool here, ah about a mile and a half from where I live so I could go there I could get a membership I could uh, do some lengths but it is much harder isn't it to just gear yourself up uh, make the journey there swim in a often a busy lane uh, takes a good hour and have I got that sort of time available very much often not now it's an excuse I know it is, but for me running has always been that activity that I can do so readily, literally step out the front door and I'm doing it. Um, 
cycling aesthetically I love cycling um, why don't I do it more okay two reasons one it simply takes longer for me it seems to get the the bang for buck out of the training um, now again part of it says well spend more time doing it you will enjoy it I suppose if I'm honest there is also something of a fear of cycling on busy roads um, and you know there are a number of incidents sadly deaths of cyclists um, and I have a an old but still reasonable road bike um, I have an old and very much budget off-road bike um, I bought it many years ago now um, okay bit of a tangent this was uh, gosh sometime in the 1990s I uh, I want a place for a, an ad hoc team uh, for an adventure race. Um, it was Runner's World here in the UK. Just ran this competition and uh, three of us fortunate enough to be given a place on an adventure race um, and one of the stages was about a 15 or 20 mile cross-country cycle um, and I didn't have a bike, but I bought one just locally. Yeah, the old newspaper advert, I think. It was about 150 quid, um, 150 pounds, a couple of hundred dollars, that sort of cost. And, uh, yeah, served me perfectly well. Did the event. Used to, um, I was still working at the time. So I used to uh, cycle to work across fields and farm tracks, eight miles. That was pleasant. But I'm just not sure again 
but uh, I quite could leave her into my day much off-road cycling for exercise so my running remains my favoured activity um, and all this is a very long-winded way of getting to the point that I am currently investigating getting a Concept 2 rowing machine I don't know how many of you use rowers um, if you do by all means shoot me an email as always it's spikespodcast at gmail.com um, now I'm not I'm not going into this blind I have over the years uh, many different military gyms the occasional well-equipped hotel I have used rowing machines and I know the concept too is really the uh, the machine to have um, they are not not ridiculously cheap but equally I think given the uh, the resale value that they retain they're not hideously expensive either so looking into that as a good way of very readily getting a a more complete body workout but with relatively low impact good morning um, well, I say just looking around at some options uh, buying second hand is is possible but you know, I'd have to travel to find the right one and uh, when they say used some of these have been very used so I'm also looking at buying one from a reputable company that refurbishes them um, but if I do that uh, the cost isn't that far different from a brand new model so anyway that's the uh, throws I'm in at the moment Okay, well that took longer to talk about than I thought. Anyway, what news from me? Well, I suppose there is some headline news to give you. Um, it was on January the 29th, one year to the day that I had my surgery for bowel cancer. 
Um, and over the past couple of weeks, I have been having my one year checkups, which uh, simply involve bloods and a CT scan and then finally um, a colonoscopy. Uh, colonoscopy was different to last year because of course now I'm living with a stoma so the uh, scope went in through my abdomen and actually I'd have to say it was if anything even easier than the previous one um, I find by simply relaxing trusting the surgeon um, I don't have sedatives I don't use the gas and air the Entenox simply let him get on with it now I'm no great hero as far as pain is concerned you know I will uh, I'll resort to ibuprofen or stronger if the need dictates so I'm trying to say is whilst uh, there is a natural fear of colonoscopy uh, it doesn't feel quite right it doesn't feel very dignified but if you can simply uh, get into a, a mildly meditative state I think it's very straightforward um, they did remove one tiny, tiny polyp uh, that had been seen last year and the, the doctor doing the scope then said it could probably uh, sit there quite safely for about 15 years but uh, didn't want to remove it last year as I was close to surgery but this year they've taken it out and uh, other than the histology report on that polyp uh, which I haven't had yet everything else is clear and I am functioning quite normally I don't have any great anxiety but that polyp, I think it will not be problematic. So, on to fight another day. <laughs> Don't you remember last year when I, well, in fact, it would have been 2013 when I, I think I first recorded news of my problems entitled a, a podcast then a bump in the road um, I suppose uh, I wasn't trying to be cavalier I wasn't trying to diminish what I knew was happening so much as just 
except that all our roads have bumps in them. Some are very minor, trivial. Some are um, much more significant, much more hard to, to get over. Some will be catastrophic. For me, what well, I seem to be well past this one so far, um, and I'm just so delighted that here I am, a year later, just putting in the miles and still talking to you all. Don't know if you uh, caught just as I set off there that uh, Gina came around the corner just coming to the end of her run um, and uh, <laughs> Gina is very witty and a couple of weeks back I noted uh, we were chatting away in fact I was um, telling her about a friend of ours who also has a stoma um, and she is doing really well uh, just getting some fitness in she has lost a significant chunk of weight but also she's been enjoying some run walking using the Couch to 5k program and uh, Gina and I were reflecting how uh, exercise doesn't get any easier as you get older you have to want to do it and she said I think I'm going to sign up for the 5k to catch program which made me smile good morning so coming up to two and a half miles um i've run around the park again today my fairly standard three mile loop so uh I don't need to check any sort of stat nav in terms of where I am on this run. I know now, after all this time, where the markers are. But it's interesting, isn't it, how even a run like this, which I know well, or now, if I was in a race somewhere in years gone by, let's say a marathon, you know, in a, a town or a, a city I didn't know, and you set off, and uh, the first mile it used to take, uh, seen a long time coming, that mile marker, and uh, but as you 
particularly perhaps in the middle stages of the run when you're in that comfortable zone you know, the miles just click behind don't they the mile markers oh there's another one gosh um and even on this run which as i say i do know very well uh, the first mile always seems so much further than the the other two <laughs> strange strange how our brains play with us <laughs> um just want to come towards the end yeah reflect briefly on the film we went to see last night we saw uh, Unbroken the true story of Louis Zamperini the American athlete who uh, suffered grievously during the Second World War firstly uh, surviving 47 days in a very small life raft in the Pacific uh, then uh, being rescued if I use that word very advisedly by well, the Japanese and experiencing great deprivation and brutality in a prison war camp um, and despite the times that he was clearly very nearly broken his spirit remained intact throughout the ordeal and uh, the, the film ends really in terms of portrayal as he returns to the arms of his family at the end of the war um, then over the closing sequence of photographs you get a very condensed history um, of his later life <laughs> and uh, it simply says after years of post-traumatic stress disorder he uh, he found two things really one he fulfilled a promise to God that he made when he was fighting for his life in the life raft um, and sought to serve his God through the remaining years of his life and secondly he he uh, enacted a sense of forgiveness for his captors um, and and in fact 
you know, the 1936 Olympics, he had run in the 5,000 meters. Um, he actually set the record for the fastest finishing lap at about 56 seconds. A record that stood, I think, for some time. I don't really know that, but that's what I feel. Um, and, of course, through captivity, the film hints at perhaps a dream of running again. Uh, he was, of course, brutalised. He actually did run in the torch-bearing ceremony for the Winter Olympics in the uh, 1998, I think it would be. He ran through Tokyo, bearing the torch. And, uh, you know, he had by then, I think, fallen in love with Japan. Um, and certainly had had met with many of his captors and gone through an act of forgiveness with them. The one captor he didn't meet, or the one who refused to meet him, was um, a corporal and then a sergeant who was in fact in charge of the camps that he was interned in in Tokyo and then later in, in the mountains of Japan. And he was uh, called the Bird. That was his nickname from the prisoners gave him. He was um, portrayed in the film as utterly brutal, and he refused to meet Louis Zamperini after the war, even though he, the Bird, had been granted amnesty as the U.S. sought to rebuild and reconcile relations with Japan. And I want to just finish. Um, I mean, there were great portrayals in this film. It was directed by Angelina Jolie. Uh, it was stark, it was uncompromising. It's not an easy film to watch. Um, the lead was Jack O'Connell, and uh, it was a very important part played by Dom Hall Gleason as well. Um, I just wonder if think about the, the guy who played the part of the bird. And he is um, he's known by his stage name, Miyavi. And he is a famous rock star in Japan. And I want to acknowledge not only his acting in that, but actually the fact that he took the role to play a brutal part um, by a Japanese military man who, you know, I think the country by and large would wish to erase from its collective memory. And I thought it was a brave decision on his part to, uh, to do that. Anyway, um, you can probably sense as I sit here, I'm just sat on my wall outside the house, I feel, still feel quite moved talking about it. Um, uh, would I recommend it? I think if you're prepared to see a film about someone who survives against the odds, who has immense strength of spirit, then it's a fascinating film. We thought when we went to see it, it would actually be more uplifting. And I think whilst the closing sequence of notes do give you a sense of um, uh, of uplift, I suppose. You've got a, about two hours and fifteen minutes to get there um, of pretty challenging viewing. Anyway, I, I was surprised to see it didn't do a little better in the Oscar nominations. Um, anyway, that's it, folks. I've come to the end. Um, I'll try and get this up over the next few days, and uh, hopefully, you'll get something out of it even if it's just the fact that you've listened to me witter on for a little, a little bit longer. Take care. 
particularly if you're in northern climes in the winter months, you know, keep yourselves warm and safe. Watch out for those slippery old roads. I hope the snow clears from those of you who are, you know, not unused to it, but um, you don't want to see quite so much of it. And uh, for those of you in the southern hemisphere, well, you keep enjoying this lovely summer you're having. And um, folks, I will look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care, and as always, make sure that you run with joy.